Hi, everyone. So this is part two of the episode that I titled Love and Discipline. And I'd like to clarify what I mean when I speak of personal relationship. So I don't consider myself uh, what you would call a religious person, but I do consider myself a person that has chosen to have a personal relationship with God. Um, so I guess I should explain myself. So I don't, I don't believe in religion. I believe in God. I do believe in Christ and I believe in the Holy Spirit. And those are my beliefs. And these are based on what I've learned in the last 25 years. But believe it or not, there is a difference. And I'll explain. So when we were growing up, my father was extremely Catholic. We went to church every Sunday. We sat in the pews. We weren't allowed to speak. And if we did, we would get pinched or we would get the look. And I'm pretty sure all parents know what the look is. So if we didn't get a pinching, my mom would threaten us. And we knew that we would be getting it when we got home. Dad would tell us, there's a belt waiting for you guys when we get home. And we would get questioned. We would get questioned on the way home about the sermon. What exactly was the priest talking about? We would get belted for each wrong answer. And it would be even. It would be all three of us. So I would panic all the time. He was trying to teach us a spiritual discipline. We have to have respect for the house of God and the priest. He hated it that when we went to church, we didn't pay attention during church, that we wouldn't behave, that we would mess around and giggle, be distractive and disruptive. And sure enough, when we got home, we would get belted. I would get so mad because we were just kids. We were just kids who went to church but had no clue. We had no clue in the world what they were talking about. I just plainly did not understand. I had no clue exactly what they were praying to between the saints, the Virgin Mary, God. I thought the only God was the guy that was on the cross. Turns out that was Jesus Christ on the cross. I just didn't understand what all of that meant at any given time. I just knew we had to go and I knew we had to behave, but it was so boring for us. Now in Acts chapter 8, verse 30 and 31, they asked Philip, do you understand what you are reading? And Philip returned it with another question, says, how can I, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And that's exactly right. Even as kids, we need to have somebody explain it. To me, it was a tremendous puzzle that I just couldn't put together in my head. We understood um, that when we went to church, we were going to have to stand up. We would have to kneel down. We would sit down, get up, get back on our knees, did the sign of a cross with our hands and all of that. But I didn't know what everything, everything that we had to do when we went to church. Like I didn't understand what it was. What I did know is that we had to defend the church. We had to defend our religion to those that dared talk bad about our faith. We defended our traditions. We defended the Virgin Mary and the church, but I didn't understand any of it. So when the time came and I was able to distinguish between religion and relationship with God, um, on a personal note, I have chosen to have a relationship. But going back to the love and discipline, I wanted to share with you. In the summer of 93, one of my cousins, he is my favorite cousin, um, just to throw it out there, came to visit from California and he met George, who at that time was my neighbor. They would talk while my cousin painted the apartment complex where George lived. He taught them how to play football before sundown. So after he would be done painting the apartment complexes, um, a bunch of the kids would go and, you know, he was an older kid. 
you know, and they were freshmen and he was the senior and, and that all of that was new to them. They knew soccer, but they didn't know football. It was new to George, to his brothers and the neighborhood kids. At some point, George asked about me. I'm not sure what exactly the conversation was about, but one evening when dinner was ready, my mom sent me over to get my cousin and tell him that he needed to come home and have dinner. And when I went over there, George was there. He, um, meaning my cousin finally made it home to have dinner. After dinner, he sat me down and he asked me what I thought about George. And I told him, well, I don't know, with a smirk on my face. He informed me that George had mentioned that he was interested in me. And of course, that captured my interest too. So I was listening. Well, he told me that um, if I so chose to give him a chance in the time of day, he did expect me not to be stupid or reckless or I'd have to answer to him. See, I admired my cousin. I respected him. One, because he was older. Um, I was the oldest of my siblings. At this time, I was 13. But because I was the oldest of the siblings, I often felt isolated. And in a way, it seemed like he was like a big brother who didn't see me as a little kid. He had goals and I always knew he was going to make something of his life. And he did. He went to serve in the Navy, and I could not be prouder. He has been on active duty for 25 years. He started as an E-1 and was a senior chief. He earned his commission to be a chief warrant officer and is currently CW03. He has a beautiful family to top that. And all of that just warms my heart. And for that, I just, I'm just so proud of him and everything that he's accomplished in his life. But when I was 13, I met George. And according to my dad, I was forbidden to talk to boys, especially George. He dressed like a little wannabe gangster. And that's what my parents were running from when we moved from California. I was too young in my father's eyes, but in my head, I thought I was grown. But he was right. I was too young. What no one understood was that talking to George was an escape for me. It was an adrenaline rush also, probably because it was forbidden. I wanted to talk to someone about the changes from moving and nobody seemed to ask us any of that. I wasn't fitting in. My parents didn't really talk to us. I really didn't have friends and I didn't know how to make friends. My guard was always up since we had moved, especially because growing up in California, you had to keep your guard up. You had to, like I had stated before in the previous episode, you had to watch what you were saying and who you were looking at, what direction you looked in. And so I had issues like making friends. I thought everybody was out to get me. I had girls coming up to me telling me that I should crawl back into the hole that I crawled out of. The fresh faces didn't like my presence. The, the girls hated me because since I was the new girl, boys were interested. I did decide to give George an opportunity and we kept our relationship secret. In the fall of 93 and into 20, 1994, we continued to see each other in passing um, a few moments after school when I would take the garbage out. But as we really didn't have time or any designated time for, for us to actually spend time together and get to know each other. Why? Because it was school and I had to be home at a certain time. My parents, you know, they would time me. But when I was 14, I convinced my little sister to cover for me so that I could sneak out of the house. I tested the limit of my father's patience and... That night I snuck out and we met at the park across the street from his apartment complex. We talked about many things, um, more so about how my parents were so strict and where I had come from, what my life was like in California, um, things of that sort. And honest to God, it was innocent and all we had was conversation, nothing inappropriate or out of line. But while I was out, my little sister panicked and I'm not sure, but I think she went into my mom's room and told her that I was gone. At that time, my dad was working nights at a dairy, so I felt brave enough to do it. I figured he wouldn't find out. But it was 5 a.m. when his uh, Georgia's dad crossed the street 
and he yelled our names. He was up getting ready for work when my mom walked over there to their apartment and informed him that I had snuck out with his son and that she was looking for me. Once we crossed the street back, he went to his apartment and his dad walked me home without saying a word. I remember his face of disappointment. I knew I was in big trouble. I just didn't know how bad it was going to be. This was the first time that I had ever done anything like this. So as I walked into the house, my mom called my dad and I and told him that I was home. She told him that I was at the park with George and he instructed her to tie my hands and my feet behind my back until he got home. The next thing that she was supposed to do was to grab a rope that he had in the back and put it in a five-gallon bucket with water to soak and leave it there until he got home. He told her that he would deal with me when he got home. So she did as she was told. You can imagine what happened. Let me get you give you some details. When my dad got home, he went straight into my bedroom. He proceeded to quote unquote talk to me about sneaking out. He said he needed to teach me a lesson and that I needed to be disciplined. He demanded to know what we were doing. I told him we were just talking, but he didn't believe me. In his eyes, I had brought shame and dishonor to the family. What were people going to think? He told me he was disgusted with me, insinuated that I was trying to be easy by sneaking out at that time of night. He proceeded to ask me, what I thought my punishment should be. I was so mad and in the moment I felt that I had a right to be angry, one for being tied up like an animal. I wasn't looking at the other side of the coin. He was also angry and rightfully so. But by that time, I just wanted to get it over with. So I replied with an attitude, by the way, it doesn't matter what I say. When has it ever mattered what we say? I already know that you're going to hit me anyway, so let's just get it over with. And he said, yep, you are so right. So turn around. Nothing else was said. I turned around and, and he pulled the rope out from the bucket. The rope was drenched in water, apparently to have more impact. So I braced myself and I took a deep breath as he, as he gave me my first hit. My eyes watered, but I didn't cry or ask him to stop. He was so upset. He was furious that I wasn't begging him to stop. So he kept going. He was bound to like break me and I was bound and determined not to give him the satisfaction of seeing me cry. So when it was all said and done, my legs were split up bruised from the bottom of my butt cheeks to the back of my kneecaps. I laid and I waited for him to leave. He left me on the bed tied up as he walked out. He told me I wasn't going to go to school for a few days. After he left, I untied myself and I sat in my room and I cried. And my mom came in a while after and said that I deserved it for not being obedient. And when I finally went back to school, I, re I remember that I wasn't able to sit properly, properly at my desk. My legs hurt. They were healing. I want to say that I think I was out of school for about three days or so. And they just called the school and said that I was sick. I would always wait for everybody to leave the locker room when I was doing, when we were done with doing PE. But one day, one of my friends came back into the locker room because she had forgotten something and walked right in as I was pulling my pants up. She saw my legs and started crying. And she asked me what happened. And I replied, nothing. Just mind your business and keep it to yourself. Please don't tell anyone. But she didn't. I went on to history class as she headed to the counselor's office. The next thing that I remember, I'm being pulled out of class to go to the counselor's office. When I walked in, I saw my friend there with Mrs. Lloyd, the counselor, and the school resource officer. I sat down and I listened to what they had to say. I insisted that nothing was wrong, but she didn't believe me. And before too long, health and welfare um, was involved and investigator came to the school and they said that they had to verify that I was telling the truth or not. So with clinical gloves and a camera pointed right at me, they told me that I had to show them. I was so mad at Lacey. 
I know that she didn't mean to stir the pot, but I also understand that she was concerned. I but I was just mad that she, I had asked her not to say anything, that it wasn't any of her business. So with tears in my eyes and just me being so upset, my heart pounding out of my chest, I pulled my pants down and covered myself from my waist to my butt with my jacket. They took photographs. They questioned me about what had happened. I told them that I had gotten in trouble for sneaking out and then my dad hit me for not behaving, for breaking the rules. We talked for hours and they told me that I wasn't going to be going home. They told me that I was going to be placed in foster care for the first time. When they informed my mom, she came to the school. The school was only a few blocks away and she asked to talk to me. And since she wasn't the aggressor, they allowed it. She spoke to me as if she hated me. Her eyes pierced my soul. She told me that she was disappointed in me for opening my mouth um, from that day forward that I could forget that I had a mom she I wasn't her daughter anymore and that if I wanted forgiveness I needed to get on my knees and ask my dad to forgive me I tried to explain to her that I didn't say anything that it was my friend but she just would not listen to me and she walked away with my little brother I wanted just to hold him and hug him and she wouldn't allow it she told me I could just forget about him they asked her to bring me some clothes and personal items um, so that I could take to this foster care until everything got sorted out. But she said, absolutely not. She said I was their problem. I have never been through any of this at this time. I was so scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. I already had no sense of belonging in a new town. And now with another family? What? I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Courts? I'd never been in trouble before. I didn't even want to think what my dad was going to do when he found out that he was being charged with child abuse. I was placed with a family who had two boys and the dad was a police officer sir. And I never felt more out of place. To me, I felt like they had made it a bigger deal than it really was because to me, this was normal. I knew that the worse the behavior, the worse the punishment would be. But that's how I grew up. Getting physical discipline and getting belted was not abnormal in our house. This was the kind of punishment that my dad learned from my grandparents. To me, although he was angry and although I felt like I didn't understand, in his eyes, he was acting out of love. He wanted me to know that he was bound and determined for me to understand to understand life and to understand that he was not going to allow any boy to ruin my life or for me to throw my life away for a boy. A boy who was just this little gangster, wannabe gangster, who did nothing with his time but run around town, running the streets, and really was not doing anything for himself. And that's how my dad saw him. And it was a kid that just was not going to be beneficial to my life. But that didn't stop me. I was rebellious. I was in love. And no one understood me, you know, in my mind, in my heart. My mom would often ask me to trust her and I would tell her what I was feeling, um, she would ask me if I was still talking to George, you know, and so I tried to trust her and I would confide in her certain things. Um, so I would try and tell her a little bit at a time. But before I knew it, out of nowhere, I would find myself facing my dad over the dinner table and he's interrogating me about the things that I had confided in my mom. So I quickly realized that I couldn't trust her like I thought I could. I say, like I've stated before, I'm not here to say that I'm better at parenting than how I was brought up. But I did choose, along with my husband, to be a different kind of parent. I was strict. My husband's been a little bit more lenient. I do ask my kids where they're going, who are they with, and when there's new people that they want to hang out with, well, who are their parents' names? Maybe I know their parents. I tried to get to know my kids and who their friends were. When they had school crushes, we would joke about it, you know, especially when they're little. We would talk about like their school crushes, but I didn't blow up and threaten them. We were all young ones. We've all experienced our first time young 
in our first time heartbreak. I just choose to do it differently. I tell my kids now, and if there's something that you don't agree with in your upbringing and how we discipline you, or you believe that you can do it better when you have your own kids, do it. And I encourage them to do it because I don't have all the answers. I've just learned along with my husband as one situation arises and as my kids are entering into different stages of life. So I tell them, if you think you can do it better, by all means, do it. Do it better than I did. I never doubted that discipline has is necessary, absolutely necessary in the raising of our kids. I wanted them to know that no matter what, my love for them would always surpass any of their flaws, you know, any of their opinions or any of their decisions. I hope that they know now that I will always fight for their well-being. I could never see myself disowning one of my kids because of the disappointment that I had in them. That was hurtful. And it wasn't said just once. One thing is for sure. I couldn't have been able, along with my husband, I don't think either one of us and I would say that he would agree. I don't think we'd been able to raise six kids with all of their struggles in different stages of their lives with everything they've endured and continue to face now that they're going into adulthood had it not been for my trust in God. I do believe he's been my compass. I do believe that he's my anchor in life. I've chosen to have a relationship, a spiritual relationship, and not one to fo- not to follow traditions and religion that I just didn't understand. Our kids have been raised in a church since they were babies. I see them as a blessing to my life. I see that with everything that they go through, like I learn from them. And I know that kids need their parents, but I don't know that my kids realize that in my life, with my experiences, they've come to complete my life. Uh, We try to encourage them to seek relationship with God, especially in these times that we live in now, a time where everything is so liberal, a time where commitment in marriage isn't welcomed or it doesn't seem necessary, a time where our kids are exposed to so much more than what we want at such a young age especially with all the technology and social media out there. We try to protect our kids as best as we can. And, you know, new devices come out and you try and put all the parental controls. But kids are so smart and they know how to manipulate and they know how to go around whatever restrictions. I've tried my best and that's for sure. But it is important to encourage our kids to have that trust, you know, in God, to have that special special spiritual connection. I want to thank you today for listening to me. I hope that you have been touched by my story, uh, maybe inspired in some way. Stay tuned for the next episode. I'm not sure if I'll choose to read one of my journals, one of my journal entries for the first time and explain what was going on at that time, or maybe one of the letters that I've written my kids. Who knows? Um, I do take time to every once in a while have a blank page in between my journals and with one of my kids' names at the top. And I write them letters that I've never given them, but I want them to have my writings or um, my thoughts, what I, you know, want for their life or how proud I am of them when I'm no longer here. And so throughout my journal and throughout my journals, when I've had to sit down and just put pen to paper, every once in a while, I write letters to my kids that they've never seen. So who knows? Um, Maybe I'll read one of those letters to one of my kids or maybe a journal entry. I'm not sure. One thing I do know is that I think I will um, allow for my heart to lead me. So until next time, I hope you are so blessed. Thank you for listening. Sonia Leon.